Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. I want to let it play for a while to see how many of you grown men in your car will start singing this song because you know you can't help it. It's that damn catchy. And you know what? Harge and I were both singing it. I looked up during the break and I was just gathering papers for the second. Yeah. Harge was singing it. I was singing it. I was like, we're both singing it. And we're singing it like loudly. We're just singing it to ourselves because it's that catchy of a tune. And you know what? Footloose. It is. It is from Footloose. Yes. Oh, it is from Footloose. Right. Yes. There yep. you go. Good job. Uh, top of the charts Tuesday. That's when my man uh, Patrick takes jams that reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Yeah, it's such a feel-good jam. It's one of those jams like that Kevin Dunn would uh, would would jam and wouldn't care because he likes feel-good music. He, he's, he cares <laughs> about how it makes him feel, not about what's cool. And this is not necessarily cool, but like, could you pull up to the light just jamming this song? It feels good to jam. Can you just it, yeah, jam but it? you better have. Can, can you just jam it? Can you? Could you jam it loud and at the light and look over? If you have somebody. confidence, yeah. You do a lot of things, you got confidence. Well, not only that, make sure your windows are up. I know, exactly. <laughs> nah, roll them down. <laughs> Sunroof up, yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those songs. It's like, it's right, right now we're officially in summer. It's like beautiful yeah. awesome but that's days. That, like, at what point did you stop caring when the person mm-hmm. next to you in the car... Uh, like, I, I'm, I'm definitely close, yeah. if not already there. Yeah, because who, who's sitting next to me that I care that much about what they think? Yeah. Because <laughs> the only people who would care that I'd be listening to this is someone, like, young enough that they wouldn't want to talk to me anyway. That is true. Oh, look at this, Coach M. I'm doing my yard, unlike hardball, and I was singing out loud. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Coach Scooby, too, said I admitted I was singing. The yep. coaches love it. Yep. The place was playing People saying, good one, you know, yeah. pop locking. Yeah, man. Yeah. Tell, it, I don't know what's something about that song. Dude, who sings that song? Uh, Denise, uh, Denise Williams. Williams, yeah. She's not one hit wonder. I've heard of her she before. She was around. Right? Yeah, she was around she got a for couple a minute. Jams. Okay. She was around for a minute. All right. That's spells here. her name in an interesting way. Yeah. The first or the last? Denise. Denise is oh, spelled the like D E and then the word niece. <laughs> I love the way he's described it. And the word. D E and the word mm. niece. Yes. <laughs> 
It's not normally it. how it is spelled. Let's go. No, it's just, it's just not how it's spelled. No. No. Um, but, you know, every now and then, my people, we try to trick y'all with the spelling. Yep, yep, yep. Right? We try to trick y'all with the spelling. Keep you guessing. So I said, in Flukeville, we're jamming. Yeah, thank you guys for jamming on the Spex Text Line. 512 Hey, I used to live in Pville. I know you did. Back in my old days, man. No stomping grounds up there. All right, let's talk about the NBA playoffs here, gentlemen. Actually, talk about the NBA finals, actually, because we do have a finals that's set. The Heat will be taking on the Denver Nuggets. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also uh, get into uh, Rod's wrap the day. We'll get back to the conversation about Texas football. Coach Sark hiring three new analysts, all of them given the role or at least the designation of special assistant to the head coach. How many can you have? I thought you could only have one of these. Uh, now you, you got like got three of them. You no, got one last. You could year. probably go more. I mean, depending on what your payroll looks like. How special is it if you got three of special assistants? Mm-hmm. I mean, can I can can, can one by be the special assistant? Then a special then special assistant to the special assistant? I think that's the one I applied for. Assistant to yeah. I applied for that one. <laughs> the assistant to the regional yeah, manager. Just, yeah, exactly. Assistant regional manager. So we need a special assistant to the head coach. The then a special manager. assistant head coach. Yes. And because. I, you know, it's not so special. I, Gary Patterson had it. it. Was like, oh man, he's the special assistant to the head coach. Ooh, that's pretty big time, man. Yep. He's the consigliere to the head coach. And I was like, got three of them dudes. Mm-hmm. Everybody, your mama hey. a special assistant to the head hey, coach. Hey, as long as they hiring, <laughs> I'm accepted. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, we'll get into. How- I do like they posted the job opening though, like on the the UT website. When? When Apparently they, they had to post it like last, to, so like last year they posted it and they just I think keep it open oh. and then they just kind of roll through and they'll pull it back up and they'll be like all right well so we just hired them all from this wow that way we have it as an open posting that way it passes through all these technically other... it was an open posting yeah yeah so uh-huh. you got, hey man do you think they had a they send in their resume and they had to like write out their resume and then attach their resume there's one on file I guarantee just in case because <laughs> open records request happens they're like hey can I see the, the resumes for your candidates or something like that I'm sure they have them but no there's no real process people you can't be that guy yeah no, no, none of y'all can be that guy <laughs> if your father-in-law is Dan Reeves maybe you can be that maybe guy. that's what you can do <laughs> that works out really Jody good Camillus, his father like his father-in-law is Dan Reeves yeah right yeah yeah it's all right so I'll, I'll take my chances on that. <laughs> Who's your father-in-law? Not, not. You gotta, hey, you got a father-in-law that's got some clout. What are you talking he does, about? Uh, he does have a lot of clout. <laughs> and he'll tell <laughs> you about his clout too. <laughs> he will. T- matter of fact, he's, he's the one that told me that he got the clout. Yeah, he let uh, you know. All right, there you go. Okay, so we'll get to that coming up in Rod's round today. Let's talk about the NBA Finals. Actually, let's go to the Eastern Conference Finals Game Seven before we start talking about the uh, matchup between Denver and the Miami Heat. Uh, but gentlemen, the game seven, which was supposed to be filled with drama, supposed to be, you know, very compelling, epic. Uh, it was not. Mm-mm. It was a dud. One hundred three to eighty four, Miami won. And you know, the stat that stood out to me the most, and we're, there are a lot of things. And I think the, the biggest storyline, I guess, coming out of game seven had to be the injury to Jason Tatum early mm-hmm. on. Uh, Jason Tatum sprained his ankle, rolled his ankle early on. I'm talking about the opening moment of the game, first 90 seconds of the game. Really set the tone because ever since after that, it was a downward spiral uh, that the Boston Celtics could not get pull themselves out of, right. and Miami ended up winning the game. Uh, but I love this stat because it it, it's so compelling because Miami uh, used a lot of zone 
to discombobulate the Boston Celtics. They just could not figure it out. That's one of the indictments on Joe Mazzulla, the head coach, is that he let his team uh, basically be o- o- overwhelmed by that zone that Miami kept throwing out there. And they didn't do it every possession, but they did it, they did it enough to really throw off the Boston Celtics. So I found this stat. This is from NBA.com, so it does kind of show you that, you know, or at least that's the, the it's a credible source, but it does show you really schematically what made the difference in the series. So no team uh, since 2017 has played more than 223 possessions of zone defense over the course of a regular season in the NBA. So 223 possessions of zone defense over the course of an 82-game season. No team has eclipsed that since 2017-2018, except for these, uh, this Miami team, which played uh, over 1,400 possessions of zone defense this season, which was the most of any team in the NBA since uh, in the last 17 years. As Patrick said, since they started, they changed the rule uh, to allow some types of zone defense uh, in the playoffs. 211 zone possessions, uh, zone defense possessions for Miami. That is 144 more than any other team. The Boston Celtics couldn't figure it out, and then they fell into the trap. And since we watch you know, college basketball with Texas a lot, we know that teams fall into the trap when they go up against a zone of trying to shoot their way out of it. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of the zone is to make you a jump-shooting team. It turned Boston into a jump-shooting team. Uh, they believed they could shoot their way out of it or shoot their way uh, over the zone. They were wrong, and that's why they end up losing this game. They, went 20, they had shot 21%. From three point range in this series, it was their in, sorry in this game in Game yep. Seven, it was their second lowest three point uh, shooting percentage of the season. Their lowest three point shooting percentage <laughs> of the season was actually Game Six. So you thought that would have showed them that hey, you cannot shoot your way past the zone or over the zone, but they still fell into that trap hard, and it ended up being their downfall. It, it was big time downfall, and they continued to keep shooting it. They weren't getting to the rim. They weren't trying to. Uh, change the flow of the game. But it goes back to what you were talking about and the smart uh, coaching style of of Spolstra. Because the team has struggled so bad, and they did, as you pointed out, in Game 6, he was like, let's see if they can do it again in Game 7. That's exactly what they did. So mm-hmm. they went 20%, and then they, they got a little bit better. They went 21%. Crazy. So they made one more shot. And, and you sit there, and you're like, how does this happen with a guy like Jason Tatum, who played 42 minutes? Yes, we know that he got hurt early in the game, but he still played 42 minutes of the game. So it wasn't like he just shut it down, but he wasn't being that aggressive type of player. And then you're looking at, oh, Jalen Brown, this is your opportunity. Big Mr. Big Shot. Come on, baby. This is you're getting the max deal. You're gonna be the next guy. I want my opportunities. You played 43 minutes, but you turned the ball over eight times. Eight times. And your plus minus was minus 17. Mm. You were not on the positive side of helping your team out when they needed the most. They went on that big run, and you you just never stopped the bleeding. And that's the disappointing part for me is like, okay, so what's next? Not taking anything away from the Miami Heat. What they did was outstanding. It was. Uh, They should have swept them, to be quite honest with you. But they failed to sweep them, but they let it get back to it, and all the drama was built up for a game seven. And Jimmy Butler let you know, no, man, we're not worried about that. We're not worried about that. We're going to be okay. And Jimmy wasn't the best. 
But you had Caleb Martin step up and play big. I mean, Jimmy Butler, what, 28 points on 28 shots? Yeah. That's not good. That's <laughs> highly inefficient. Very yeah. inefficient. I mean, and you sit there and say, well, who's next? Who's going to help out? Duncan Robinson, who didn't play that great, but he didn't play bad. He had 10 points, played 20 minutes, and, and gave his his regular uh, part of it. But it was Caleb Martin who definitely yeah. could have been named MVP. Mm. He definitely could have been named MVP. And to be honest with you, I don't think Jimmy would have been upset about it. I think Jimmy would have been cool because my guys stepped up. And he said, what do you think about your role players? He's like, I call them teammates. I don't call them role players. They all do something for us, for us to win. And, again, you brought up it earlier today the undrafted players who have been the major contributors to this team because what? They got that dog in them. He's, he plays seven undrafted players in this uh, playoffs, in his postseason, I should say. That is the most since 1966, since they started keeping up in the modern era. And also they've scored the most points in this postseason uh, for undrafted players uh, more than any other team in playoff history. It's unbelievable what they're doing. Yeah, I don't like. I don't even know how you quantify and break this down, and how unbelievable, how mind blowing it is to, in this day and age to have seven undrafted players end up playing on your team. And not only that, guys, but four of them are actual key yes. cogs. They're, yes, they're key. Right? I don't, I don't want to call them role players because Jimmy said don't, don't do that. Do it. Don't do that. They, they call them teammates. They're key contributors. <laughs> all right, in yes. this successful formula. For the Miami Heat, it we, this is one of the most, and we should appreciate it because it might not last long. You asked my Patrick, he said, "Appreciate it while you can." Because yeah. Dick, <laughs> hey, talk them all up right now. Yes, let's get it <laughs> all. In. Are your fun yeah. right now? <laughs> Are you thinking a sweep? No, I don't think it's a sweep. But uh, one of our texters oh. thought it would be. You thinking? I think because I think Jimmy has like a has a big game. I think he has a big game. But you also got to remember this Miami Jimmy team's Bucket? not great at home. And Denver is a really hard place to play at. How many games they lost at home so far? They season? won one game in the last series. I can tell you that they won three games in Boston. Okay, yeah. so, I'm saying how many yeah. um, home games has Denver lost? They haven't lost any, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I think they're undefeated. So, but yeah, it's it, it, it's going to be a tough one. I don't want to say sweep because I think that this team's playing really well. The Miami team is playing really well, but again, this is again the matchup of hey man, we have this really good center. You go cool. You're going to need him to guard other people though. So uh, what are you going to do when you don't have any other bigs? And uh, the small ball stuff works until you get to Denver. So, uh, But they don't have to worry about that right now. They can celebrate <laughs> for right now. And Buzz Killington over here. You don't have to worry about that. You celebrate now and enjoy. Celebrate now. No, but uh, listen, I, I haven't made my fitness. I want Jimmy Butler to win because I think he's going to be a more compelling superstar to follow with a ring on because he loves to troll and he's already a a fantastic troll artist Mm -hmm. but you give him a ring and he's gonna take it to another level and he's coming out with a country music album that's gonna be great you just gave me a what'd you give me a little factoid about jimmy didn't you say what did you just say about jimmy Butler that he uh tried to trademark something oh he trademarked uh hemi buckets okay he filed for a trademark for hemi Buckets. He's, he's already doing yes. way more interesting things than Jokic. Jokic is probably going to win because Jokic is the best player on the planet right now. And his he's, team is playing doggone good. Yeah, he's the NBA <laughs> version of a supercomputer. There's really nothing you can throw at him that he can't figure out and solve. Uh, but you guys know he's going to take his MVP trophy 
uh, Finals MVP trophy and a mm-hmm. championship trophy, and just go to his, you know, his humble abode somewhere with his beautiful wife and family, and just go disappear like a classy superstar should. All right, and just play a straight class homie like a Tim Duncan would, and it's all great. But we need headlines, damn it! <laughs> and Jimmy will win that damn title. Jimmy will definitely Jimmy's give you headlines. Jimmy's gonna make the rounds, yeah. man. He's going on every late night talk show. He's going on the podcast. He's gonna go troll everybody. He might talk trash to Scottie Pippen just for dissing MJ again. There you like, go. He, Don't be talking about my daddy like that. He might start dating Larsa Pippen. Like he is that kind of troll. <laughs> I need that in my life. How we know he hadn't? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How we know he hadn't? Uh, no, but I agree. Right now, it's hard not to. Leave. Denver, man. Denver is just yep. their best basketball. We forgot how good they were because they haven't played in nine days. Yeah, that's, that's how true. good they were. It just, <laughs> I, the only one everyone's got is remember when everyone was like, I don't know, I saw the Lakers, they played really good, and they're, yeah. oh, Oh, don't yeah. forget. I, oh, that, that's kind of what this is right now. It like, is. man, Miami came back, and again, if Miami swept Boston. I'd have more faith to go. Oh, they could go six. Yeah, it goes six if, if Miami swept Boston. But realizing like Jimmy Butler calmed down a little bit. And he just wasn't the same player he was in those early. And now you're on role players where, you know, to get all those role players to line up at the right game, to have everyone right. playing at that level. And then it's going to come down to can you guard Jokic with Bam Adebayo still being able to guard, like to be able to float mm-hmm. and play that zone, or do you have to body him up? And if you body him up, is it Caleb? Are you putting uh, Bam Adebayo on that one? Are you putting – uh, you bring Udonis Haslam back in, yeah. Right. Like who? Who do you get? And you know, Kevin Love is that your guy? So Bam Adebayo can run. Who is it that you stick in there to guard him the way that Rui did with Anthony Davis off? You just don't play any bigs in that lineup, really. Like they didn't even play Kevin Love in this game, in Game Seven, right? They didn't, and I don't they think didn't he, I, I was going to say I don't know they if he was healthy because I don't know I I know that uh, I do know that Kevin Love has played in the has got made it to the finals every year he's made the playoffs. That's that amazing. Is a, that's a, a weird stat, that's but a, yes, definitely a weird every stat. year that he has made every year he's made the playoffs on a team he has made it to the finals. Wow, that's a great nugget. Well, LeBron, but LeBron should have got him. <laughs> hey, you know, next year, yeah, I mean, for next sure. year, he'll be friend of LeBron. <laughs> F-O-L, friend of LeBron. Bring, bring him on, man. Uh, but no, I, to, all the, to the point that Patrick is uh, bringing up, and I agree with him, they're going to need a huge, and they got it in this series versus Boston, a schematic yep. advantage. You know, and it was, I just brought up the, you know, the tactical advantage of using zone um, probably disproportionately more than any team has used it in the NBA in the last yep. 15 years or so. And it worked. It shouldn't work in the NBA like that because teams should have higher basketball IQ than to just shoot themselves out of the game like Boston did. But Boston didn't do that. And it's kind of goes to this stat I want to bring up about Eric Spolstra. I know we're going to get to Raj around the day here because we're close to it. But he's so great as an underdog because oh – they are the ultimate underdog, right? They are. I mean, even him, his, he brought up hard. His career started as a film, film guy. Film coordinator. Whatever. Video coordinator in oh. 1995. Yeah. So 1995. <laughs> 1995. <laughs> so you talk about less, less than 30 years ago. Yes. He starts off as a video coordinator, and now he's on his sixth trip to the finals? Yeah, well, he's, he's, a, he's a three-time champion, two as a head coach, seven Eastern Conference titles in seven NBA Finals yeah, so appearances. Exactly. appearances yeah. So that that's the ultimate that's the underdog story there, Jimmy Butler. And we, think about the teams that he's had during that time. Forget about the LeBron time. Oh, I know. Think about he had Justice Winslow. Oh, I agree. It was like this, and he this, took this, him to that, the finals. But that, there, there's no <laughs> doubt Pat Riley is doing this intentionally. 
Oh, for sure. Pat Riley. Listen, it's almost we do this in our country a lot too. I think some people, you know, I don't want to get political. I'm just talking about just observations. We'll often go from you know one party to the other. We just get you know tired of of one party's talking points and whatever, and that stale message, and we just go back to the other. Yep. And you and you see this sometimes with CEOs being hired for major companies. I think that Pat Riley got tired of the superstar formula. I think it. I think it beat him down. I think he. We talked about the LeBron factor, right? And yep. we talked about there's a LeBron hangover, if you will, too. Like, yes, you're guaranteed to get those titles, but it's gonna wear your organization out yep. because you have to be malleable, right? And you have to be ready to bend to the will and the demands of LeBron James. You're gonna win those titles, but I think that wore down Pat Riley a little bit. And there are even and I'll, I'll do the research. I got the I got some of the quotes from the article, but there's there are reports that Pat Riley. Was just tired of that type of formula, yep. and this is a guy that's for, he's from the superstar formula. Remember, yes, he's talking about the Lakers, and he's also from a formula with the Knicks, where they were more of a blue collar. So he's had the blue collar, and he's had the kind of the, the glamour version of basketball. And I think right now he's like, no, 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 we going blue collar, man. Yep. I, I intentionally chose this group and constructed it the way I did. This is a guy that's been the 25% of all the finals in NBA history as an exec, as a player, or a coach. And he's done it in a, in a variety of different ways. With yep. glamour teams, with blue-collar teams. And I think right now he's thinking, no, no, we that blue-collar mentality gives us an edge. Absolutely. Because we may not have the most talented players, but everybody on this roster, except for me, <laughs> pretty much, is an underdog. Right. And they may not have the most talent, but they, at least they got that dog. And that's what we are, a bunch of junkyard dogs, man. And I think, if you're getting back to Spolstra, he's one of them too. That's why he's so great in the underdog role. How about this? He's the most profitable coach as an underdog oh, on the yeah. money line in the NBA since 2005. A $100 better would be up almost $8,000 in the regular season in playoffs. Just betting on Eric Spolstra as the dog. 15-4 and four against the spread in playoffs as an underdog of six points or more Love it. with the Miami Heat. And they was Best the underdog in, in almost every game. Man. I'm and you saying. think about all those scores and how they covered almost every single time. It's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. Here's a story that you know a lot of people didn't get a chance to talk about. Pat Riley uh, defended Eric Spolster from the Miami Heat players when they were trying to get him fired. I believe this is the time when LeBron was there. Yeah. I think this definitely yeah. happened. And, LeBron, and, and Pat Riley told him, you don't ever come into my office and tell me to fire a coach. Exactly. I'll handle this. And I think he, I think he deliberately, yep. in, in, in almost a premeditated fashion, went, th- went to the other extreme this yep. time. So that's, to me, a guy that smart, if there, he, he intentionally has that many undrafted players on his roster. Yeah. A lot of guys, a lot of GMs and execs will go, hell no, 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 no. We don't have that many undrafted players. We got a few. Seven? Yep. You want me to play seven in the playoffs? How many? Did any other team play like more than one or two? I don't think any other team has that many on it. <laughs> how, do you, how do you end up with that many undrafted players in this day and age? Exactly. You have to be seeking them out. Yep. Well, and this is also, but that's, <laughs> that's also, a great point. You have to be that's seeking out point. that value, man, and that mentality. But yep. you, that's also what happens, what you have to build when you have a LeBron who takes, whom you trade all your draft picks, 
to get guys and you give you leverage your future. The hangover. And you're like, well, we don't have any, so we have to get undrafted people because we just don't have draft picks. That is fair, too. So yeah. guess what? We will go find the best ones out there, but because we know we did that, we can hire scouts looking for guys that are on the lower end and be scouting that way two, three years in advance because we know that we're not going to have those picks. So yeah. Pat Riley can plan ahead and be like, nope. hey, scouts, uh, we don't need to look at the top guys. Don't like, waste your time. I, I got one guy to look at the top 20 players. Yeah. But we, we ain't got to pick for the next four years, so why don't we go and get these guys? That's a great point, Pat. You're right. In that case, they would have, you know, they'd have a, a leg up and a head yep. start on everybody if, if indeed this is the way they're going. And it seems like yeah. it's pretty obvious that's the way they're going. Well, and I mean, eventually, Bart Rice is going to end up being a Miami Heat. Ain't he? he is. He is. He definitely is. He so, fits the Pat mold. Of that. Like, oh, such a Bart Rice. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. He's looking at him and like, ooh, look at him. No, I saw. I saw he was in Atlanta today. Oh no! He's working out for the Hawks today. Oh, that's good. Good for him. That's good for him. Good for him. No, that's but good. that's. Uh, but yeah, you get you kind of work in that way, and then Pat Riley will work too. Hey, all right, now our draft picks are coming back because we're not building that way. And now we got draft picks again. Let's go build back in the drafts while everybody else is trying to copy what we did last time. Just stay a step ahead of everybody. Yep. Amen, brother. That is. I mean, it's there's no denying that it's, it's fantastic story what they've done. And as Patrick said, let's celebrate it now. Yeah. That's why we're gonna talk it. as much as we can about it right now. <laughs> we may not have that opportunity because they just sitting over there looking like the, the Nuggets are like <laughs> rested nine days. Uh, y'all oh. look good over there. Y'all played hard in all those games. Hard. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we'll go. We'll get back to some NBA discussion later on of course throughout the week as we uh, preview the NBA Finals we come back Rod's round today we'll discuss the special assistants plural that have been added to the Texas coaching staff right here on Ball Don't Lie wonderful number one I'm as mad as hell and I'm not gonna take this anymore find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Bro, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104. Now in the horn. I just want to get into uh, the uh, – coaching acquisitions to the special assistant to the head coach role at Texas. Remember last year, there was just one special assistant to the head coach, and that was Gary Patterson. Now you have three new special assistants to the head coach. Paul Christ, who was the head coach uh, at Wisconsin for eight years. He, he was Wisconsin as a, an, a coordinator at one time, too, but eight years as a head coach. Uh, pretty successful head coach there as well. He'll end up being a college football Hall of Famer at one point. Uh, Joe D. Camillus. Uh, he's a special assistant to the head coach, more of a special teams aficionado in the NFL. 31 years, 31 plus years of NFL special teams coaching experience as a coach or as a coordinator. And he's been with a ton of different teams. Uh, Jags, you know, uh, the Cowboys at one point is with them. He's with the Rams. Uh, actually, my man CB. Won a uh, Super Bowl with the Rams. Yes. Uh, CB sent me uh, the tweet sent out from the rest of Texas when Joe D. Camillus last year spoke at one of the coaching clinics for Steve Sarkeesian and now is being hired as a special assistant. So shout out to my man CB. Uh, and also they brought in Payam Sadat who is a uh, base he's worked for Portland State Army most recently as well uh, defensive specialist and he'll be also given the role uh, or at least designated as special assistant to the head coach uh, and he specializes in a lot of that they've called it the double eagle flex defense um, from the dick say what double eagle flex D 
from the Dick Tomey tree. Okay, okay. Okay, I did not mean to rhyme that, but it rhymed. Hey, it, it sounded was smooth. Cool. It was really smooth. <laughs> uh, Coach Dwayne Aquino actually was Bars. from that. That's what's for back in the day. Yeah, the double uh, eagle flex D. So uh, I, I like all of these um, additions, but there's no doubt the Paul Chris hire probably, you know, is is expected to be the most impactful. So I'll give you a couple of nuggets and why it's going to, and, and a couple of Black Shadamas predictions as well about this Paul Chris move. First of all, we saw what the Sark offense of a running game looks like without Bijan Robinson and without mm-hmm. Rojo here at Texas. And that was the bowl game, right? Average less than three yards per carry. Uh, not very spectacular, lacked a lot of the juice, lacked the innovation and lacked creativity. And I think a lot of that was hu- hubris on the part of Sark. He thought, oh, you know what, I can run my same plays that I ran with Bijan and with Rojo and I'll be fine. And that was a dang coaching mistake. And I've given you guys all the numbers and I'll spare you. But if you go back since 2014 and you get you look at yards after contact per carry and you look at uh, forced missed tackles or broken tackles forced per carry, Bijan and Rojo are both top five since 2014 in in college football mm-hmm. in that time span. They are elite, uniquely gifted, <laughs> all right, force multipliers when it comes to turning negative plays into positive plays. And what we saw in the bowl game was a lot of those negative plays that Rojo and Bijan were turning to positive plays, well, they materialized and they were actually negative plays. And that the running game was, you know, uh, lackluster um, was the uh, best way to put it. And I, I think adding a guy like Paul Christ, who's proven that he can run the ball successfully, use a lot of different concepts, whether you're talking about zone blocking or you're talking about gap and power schemes, um, he can add some creativity and innovation to the running game. That was my biggest complaint is that when you lose Bijan and Rojo, you lose your two training wheels All right, for your running game. You need to supplement that with innovation, creativity, and a little bit of juice All right, with your play calling, and Sark didn't do that. Now, is that in Sark? Of course that's in Sark, but he didn't go into his bag in that game versus Washington. Where was his bag? I don't know. Maybe Stevens, Coach Stevens stole his bag. I have no <laughs> idea what the bag was. But I think uh, having a guy like Paul Chris there will help uh, really kind of spark the innovation for Sark in the running game. And one thing I know you're going to see, it's kind of a black Shadamas prediction, something I know you're going to see now that Paul Christ has been added to the equation for Texas as a special assistant to the head coach. You're going to see more of the 6-0 line package. Now, I predicted that earlier this year just because it just makes sense, right? Sark has a, you know, a embarrassment of riches uh, at the offensive line. All right? You have one of the most talented offensive line classes in recent history that you brought in uh, two years ago. And now you have a lot of really good young offensive linemen you're trying to develop. And you brought back your entire offensive line mm-hmm. from last season. Last year, Sark played that, you know, that, or at least used, I should say, the 6-0 line package around 15% of the time. And we know from Kyle Flood's coaching clinics, he claims they want to use 6-0 linemen 30 to 40% of the time. This is what he said. Those are from Kyle Flood's mouth. That's, that's his words All right, from a coaching clinic um, that I, I went online and watched. So if they're at 15 and they want to be at 30 to 40% playing 6-0 linemen, uh, the Paul Christ acquisition makes a lot of sense because I went and found at Wisconsin, I went to look at the last games at Wisconsin in 2021. That was the last year Paul Christ was there. Um, and the you go look at, and actually even before 2021, I went back and looked at even like 20, uh, you go back in like 2015, 
Um, there's examples of it. There's examples of it in 2012 of him playing six to seven to eight offensive linemen wow. on one play. I'm not making it up. They called it in the they, they won a 35-14 uh, Big Ten opener over Michigan and debuted what they called the hippo package, which featured eight linemen, a quarterback, a running back and a tight end. Um, and they scored multiple times and using it at times short yardage. They had a 7-0 line package that I went back and found evidence of uh, as early as 2014, and they used a 7-0 line package with two tight ends, a wildcat, uh, and a wildcat, and then a, a running back. So they, they, have, they have multiple uh, examples of them using, like I said, more than five offensive linemen. Not just, Sark's only used six, but he used a ton of them. I'm not saying they're going to go that route. That may be a little bit more extreme, but I can tell you right now, the usage in six O-line packages, what they call their Big 11 or Big 12 package, by the way, need a much cooler nickname for that six O-line <laughs> package and they're going to use it, I think, around 25% of the time this upcoming season. Um, I, I think that, with Texas, you know, like obviously now having a really good young offensive lineman, and that's supposed to be a strength for them. I think you'll see it twenty-five to thirty percent of the time. That's my prediction next season. And at the end of twenty twenty-one, the last two games of the regular season for Wisconsin is how you know that um, basically late on his tenure there with Wisconsin, or at least he was already gone. But Wisconsin was still using all these concepts. Um, but in the last two games of the regular season in twenty twenty-one. Like I said, he I think he was gone at the beginning of 2022, right? Was it four or five games in? Yeah, he got, got fired five, five games in. Five games in? in? Yeah. So he, he was toward, two and three yeah. when he got fired. So it's toward the end of his last year there. So he's, he still got full control. Um, they uh, they ran 22 snaps of six O-line packages versus Nebraska and Minnesota in those last two games of the 2021 season. Yeah. So I'm almost getting, that was like 47% of their six O-line snaps for the season. So my point is, you're going to see a lot more versus Texas. I think that's one of the reasons he's bringing them in. Not the only reason, a lot of reasons, but that's one of the reasons that he'll be bringing them in. All right, so that's a little nugget there about the six O-line package, and I'll get some more details about that tomorrow. Joe D. Camilla's signing, I think, is the second most impactful acquisition for Texas special teams. And it's not because of special teams. The truth is, special teams has been your most consistent phase since Sark got here. Jeff Banks has been your most consistent coordinator on the 40 Acres. Pete Kwiatkowski struggled his first year, got on track the second year after they brought in a special assistant, Gary Patterson, who knows the terrain of the Big 12 really well. And I think uh, PK miscalculated the culture and ecosystem of the conference. And then Gary Patterson came in and gave him the Cliff Notes version of it real quick. And he went, okay, I got it. Aha. And I think it also helped Sark, on the other hand, too, did not really knowing the conference really well, not knowing the coordinators really well. What, what they always say in poker, if you can't play the hand, play the man. I think Sark has a hard time playing the man. Play, you know, playing the opposing coordinator at times, trying to predict what they're going to do, trying to psychoanalyze them rather than trying to always uh, you know, impact the scheme on the field. Sometimes it's about the tendency of the play caller themselves. Right. And so getting back to Jeff Banks, he's been great. Special teams doesn't need any help. Special teams has been fantastic, one of the best special teams units in the country the last two years. I think this is more about Jeff Banks Focusing on tight ends. Mm-hmm. I think you bring Joe T. Camillus in, who's a, as I said, special teams aficionado. 30, he's only 57 years old, and he spent 32. 
two years in the NFL. <laughs> so let you know the guy's been in the NFL. He's a lifer, for real. He is definitely a lifer. So you can trust him with special team schemes, game plans, preparation. And I'm not saying that Jeff Banks is not going to focus on that. He'll still be able to oversee it. But now he's got somebody he trusts being able to handle the day-to-day. And now he can focus on the tight end room. And more importantly, focus on J.T. Sanders. What have I told you? J.T. Sanders should leave the 40 Acres as statistically the best tight end in Texas football history. He should be, after this season, the most prolific tight end in Sark's play-calling history. Sark says tight end position is the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. And J.T. Sanders is easily the most physically gifted tight end Sark's ever had. Five-tool, five-star freak at tight end position. Uh, you saw the rankings, uh, Harge, at Pro Football Focus, ranking the top 10 most draft-eligible tight ends. They had J.T. Sanders number two behind two Brock behind Bowers. Brock Bowers. They, uh, I went and looked at Pro Football Network's uh, draft-eligible tight end rankings. They had J.T. Sanders as number two behind Brock Bowers. <laughs> right? Who we all think Brock Bowers is the best tight end no in the doubt. game. Yeah. You look at the combined first down receptions and touchdown receptions by J.T. Sanders. He's trailing only Michael Mayer and Brock Bowers and Dalton Kincaid among FBS tight ends from last year. And by the way, Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer are gone. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, of returning tight ends, he'll be trailing only uh, Brock Bowers. Yeah. So right now, they're seeing him as a guy who's the second, second highest rated tight end coming out in the draft class. Yep. And I think Sark wants Jeff Banks. Because think about it. This guy's been playing tight end for, what, two years now? Yeah. I think he wants Jeff Remember, Banks. Well, will it be two or will it be three? Because they redshirted him that first year so he could understand the position. Because remember, he had been playing I was both saying, he's only been playing for yeah. two years. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be his third year playing Freak. tight end coming this year. Freak. And I think Jeff Banks – I think Coach Sark wants Jeff Banks – to focus a lot more of his energy, not all. You're a coach. You got to be multifaceted. You got to multitask. Yep. Some of his energy, a lot more of it, on bake, developing the skill set, refining the skill set of JT Sanders, so that you can properly weaponize him within this offense because yep. he is that talented. And I do believe they're going to feature him. And at times, not all the time, they are going to run the pass game through JT Sanders rather than X Men. Yeah, And that's why I think the Joe D. Camilla signing is so big because they want a Jeff Banks, who's a great coach, by the way, to now focus a lot more of his energy on getting J.T. Sanders ready to go. Yeah. I still, I mean, you know, I was talking to somebody about this today. You start thinking about who he is, uh, Jeff Banks, and how he's gone about this on his entire career. Isn't that his calling card has been pretty much special teams? It has been special teams, yeah. As I said, it, it, and he's done a great job. Yeah. There's nothing exact. There's no reason to bring in reinforcements on special teams, right? Because she's been yeah. great. So it's, it's more been the about best. the focus about the tight. I end. think it's his other part of his job, which is special teams slash yeah. tight end coach. Yeah, and, he's not listed and, as tight end slash yeah, special team. <laughs> exactly. And Je- Joe D. Camillas, by the way, is a great option if. Yep. Jeff Banks ends up getting more head coaching interest. He definitely and wants to leave, that. which yeah. he's already gotten some head coaching interest. Yep. So it could be another insurance policy, just like Sark was kind of an insurance policy. A lot of coaches are for Nick Saban when he yep. brings him in as an analyst and goes, "All right, I've interviewed that guy, I've vetted him. Uh, if I got an opening, that might be the first name I call." Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, down with that. Uh, all right, so uh, that's a little breakdown there. We'll have more of that tomorrow. I'm doing more deep dives. All of that and more. We come back. We'll get into off the record. What the hell does Scotty Pippen say about the goat? <laughs> right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful another horn.
Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. That's when Patrick plays jams that reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. And we appreciate all of his efforts. All right, we got to get to off the record here. Um, because uh, we talked to NBA and first off the record, NBA investigating an official for violating the NBA's policy on officials using social media and divulging uh, NBA uh, informa- inside information, if you will, about uh, the officiating. But now NBA related story, but this one's kind of off the court. Scottie Pippen. And I don't know what podcast or interview he was on. I believe Scottie Pippen just made a video for either – Instagram Live, or he was on YouTube. I'm not sure where exactly this came from. It just made the rounds. Looked like a cave. It went viral. It does look, <laughs> it's very dark too. And I think Scotty Pippen's in a dark place right now. <laughs> yeah, he does seem uh, like So Scotty Pippen was on a video and then ended up talking some trash about MJ, the goat. Here is the audio of Scotty Pippen talking trash on MJ. LeBron will be the greatest statistical, greatest guy to ever play the game of basketball. And there's no comparison to him. None. So, does that make him the greatest player to ever play the game? I'll leave that out for debating. Because I don't believe that there's a great player. Because our game is a team game. And one player can't do it. Like, i seen Michael Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys seen him play. He's a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. He's shooting bad shots. And all of a sudden, we become a team and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was. Okay, that's Scotty, guys. And at full disclosure, Scotty Pippen's ex-wife, Larsa Pippen, is dating Michael Jordan's son. So there may be some bad blood there, <laughs> uh, some ill will. But Scotty Pippen has waffled a lot on his opinion of MJ and LeBron and the GOAT. Have y'all noticed this? Yeah. So at one point, I have a quote of Scottie Pippen saying, when I look at LeBron, he's not what Michael Jordan was as a player. He's not even what Kobe was as a player. So when you talk about trying to compare Michael's instincts, his ability to take over games, his ability to uh, want to have the last shot, LeBron doesn't have that gene. That's not in him. And then he also said LeBron uh, hadn't, he said LeBron probably was ahead of MJ, said that December 7, 2017, uh, then in 2018, he said LeBron needs six rings to catch MJ. Uh, then he also said MJ over LeBron uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and then he says unfair to compare LeBron and MJ. That was in 2018. Uh, then in 2019, LeBron's not what MJ was a player or Kobe. He's all over the place with this. Man, I and mean, now MJ sucks, apparently. <laughs> too. He's a terrible yeah, he, player. He, he doesn't suck. He sucked before Pippen. Oh, there you go. Oh, my bad. Yes. See? Before Pippen. Yes. I okay. like that. Pre-Pippen. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, before Pippen and Phil Jackson got there, Michael Jordan probably should have been out of the league in two years. <laughs> we all saw it. Guys, Pippen said we all saw it. Yeah, we're all witnesses. <laughs> we're all witnesses. <laughs> to I was like, I'm like, you know, who saw what? What are you talking about, Scotty? Uh, guys, is Scotty just troll? Is Scotty the, the, the ultimate NBA troll now? They just trolls? Because he does troll the two greatest stars in the history of the game. He trolls LeBron a lot and he trolls MJ a lot. Yeah. Like, why does he troll MJ and LeBron? He trolls both of them a ton. I'm going to give him a pass oh, because I think a, lot of, I think a lot of people ask him his opinion about stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I don't he think could, he, he, he definitely – he could say, I don't even want to talk about that. That ain't got nothing to do with it. But he's like, wait a minute, I'm Scottie Pippen. 
Yeah, I, I feel. I feel like he every no, time. I was Gladys Knight in the pimp <laughs> and no tipping, no tipping, pimpin'. Pimpin'. I, I feel like every time someone calls him to do something, he's like, he's like, yeah, sure, let's talk about my legacy, and they're like, ooh, <laughs> no, we actually want to talk about the people around you. I want to talk about LeBron or MJ. Basically. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to talk to. You. We don't care about your legacy. He's like, well, then I'm gonna talk a lot of trash about both of them. Yeah, no. no, he definitely does. So, are him and MJ cool? Do we know? It don't seem no. like they are. This conversation been cool in a while. Yeah, but MJ said nice things on the last dance about yeah. Scotty. No, no, I know because MJ is is far ahead in this right now. MJ is a billionaire. Scotty Pippen was the one who basically kept signing long term deals that right before the salary cap would jump yep. and lost out on millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And then Michael Jordan becomes the greatest player of all time. And Scottie Pippen just falls further and further down the list as time goes on. That's fair. Because there was a point where people were like, well, like if MJ's one, Scottie's like five. Yeah. Like not all time, but like in the league at the time. And now no one is pretending to say no. that anymore. And it's not that it's, anything's changed other than it's just. Other great players have it's just further risen away. to the forefront. No, I'm but you're like, Scottie Pippen had some amazing years. Oh, no doubt. It was just he fumbled the ball when Michael retired. Well, he, the end of his, that's not the end of it, but the beginning of the deterioration of his legacy started in that Ku coach game winner yeah. against the Knicks, and he decided he was going to sit. He didn't want if he wasn't getting the last shot, the shot yeah. he wasn't he wasn't going to play. And he sat, and yeah, I mean nine times out of ten, the guy misses that shot, and you look like a genius. But he hit the shot. You don't look like <laughs> right. a genius because right. Scottie Pippen just said it's a team game. Well, no, I'm just saying at the time, like even now, we talk about you should demand the ball. Let Jimmy Butler win the yeah, yeah. huddle sack. No, no, no. It's my ball. It's uh, The game-winning shot belongs to me, coach. Sorry, you're not giving it to a freaking coup, coach. I'm the guy. I'll miss it or I'll make it. It's my shot. Pippen went in there and Phil Jackson went, no, sit down then. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. And, and, also, <laughs> yeah, and then the guy exactly. hit the shot. Like So it, to me, it, he looks a lot better legacy-wise had they missed that shot. They, they hit that shot, and from then on, I think people have been talking – ish on Scottie Pippen ever since. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, like, Michael Jordan also knows how to play the long game of I'll be nice to you on the last dance and then give my son the credit card. I know. I can't believe he'd let give his son date Scotty's ex-wife. If I'm Scotty, Oh, let him. Scottie. Let him. You think just let him. I think he'd set it up. Uh, he, he put together. He called in favors. I I cannot stand. You know what? Honestly, MJ lost some and points. And she wearing her shoes. MJ lost some points with that, man. You have to be that diabolical, MJ. You, even if you didn't do it and your son said they just met randomly and it was just serendipitous, you can't say, listen, son, there are a lot of women out there. You can get a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Leave Scotty's ex alone. Even though your teammates are probably, a lot of guys have probably had, you know, a chance to enjoy her company. You can leave it alone, dog, because you're a Jordan. Like, yeah. We can't do that, dog. And, no, and Pippen, he was and like, Pippen, she fine. And Pippen said, there are a lot of fine women out there. And Pippen said, Come LeBron on, was better that. than him, and he took that personally. <laughs> here's, here's, here's the black card. Have some fun. Go yeah. bang his wife, his <laughs> ex-wife. That is stone. That is hardcore. All right, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into uh, Texas baseball and Texas football a little bit more right here on Paul Dolan. What if we're not the horn?